Before tuning in, this episode has content warnings for mentions of depression, anxiety attacks, and panic attacks. Hey there, welcome to the third episode of A's for Anxious, the podcast diary that tackles the taboo topic of anxiety through our friend, the alphabet. We are slowly but surely making our way through the letters, and today's episode is the letter C. We have not one topic for you today, but we actually have two. It's also a special day because we have our first guest on the podcast. Today, I am joined by my friend and huge inspiration in life, Jorge Alvarez, who will be discussing his anxieties of career and climate change with me. Now, don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at aisforanxiouspod so that you can stay updated and follow us on Spotify or whatever platform you listen to to get notified when new episodes drop. You can expect episodes to come weekly on Mondays. Now, let's dive into the letter C. Hello, everyone. So welcome to episode three. I'm here with a very special guest. As you heard from the intro, I'm here with Jorge Alvarez. Um, so yeah, I just want to ask you first thing, how does it feel to be the first guest on A is for Anxious? Honestly, it's so exciting. It's such an honor um, just because, again, how we met and then how much our friendship has grown and how much we both as individuals have grown in this last year. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is, as I explained to you in one of our many voice memos, uh, another full circle moment, but for our friendship in, in particular. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to be here. Yeah. And I'm going to let you do a quick introduction because I feel like that is you know, necessary for this. And I just want you to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about like your work as well. Yes. So hi, everyone. As Alex said, my name is Jorge Alvarez. I am a mental health advocate. I am a creator and and I am now a social impact strategist. Uh, Me and Alex actually met during the Mental Health Youth Action Forum in Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. And in the weeks leading up to that, so it was a six-week program that we were both in, which if you were around for, I think, episode A, you'd have heard um, that that was part of Alex's journey. Because yes, I did listen to it. But I actually have a background and my origin of advocacy was in undergrad. Um, I quite literally just wanted to create spaces that I desperately needed on my campus. And fast forward, um, since 2018, that evolved to me taking my voice to TikTok. And then that further evolved to me gaining the visibility that I needed for my work to ultimately begin working with different companies, mental health campaigns, being part of something like the Mental Health Youth Action Forum, and just continuing that work today. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited to have you not only as my first guest, but for this episode in particular, because I just want to preface this by saying that Jorge and I have done a lot of LinkedIn lives about career. And it just so happened, actually, someone in that chat one day was like, you guys should start a podcast. And we were like, oh, and that and, you know, A's for Anxious was still brewing in my head. I hadn't like started it yet, but I was like, okay, Jorge is 100% a guest that I want on this episode. 
episode. So just as a reference, when I have a guest, I actually let them choose which topic and letter they want to talk about. And I do this to ensure, you know, genuine conversation with them about their anxieties. So, I mean, we're just going to jump into it. Um, As you saw from the title, C is for career and climate change as well. And I think those are two, you know, they're, we talked about how they're connected. So I'm excited to jump into it. So I'm going to start with the biggest question, Jorge. Everyone wants to know, and many can agree on as well, why does career make you anxious? Yeah, I mean, there's so much here. And I think a lot of folks can resonate with one, just being existential as heck. I feel Mm -hmm. like I've kind of come in, in and out of existential periods around my career. And even when I receive external validation and also tap into my own internal value, just career is a very looming anxiety for me because I think it just goes back to my background. So, you know, I'm first gen, uh, meaning a first gen college grad. I come from a low income background. So I grew up seeing my parents just really struggle. Um, And also, you know, I just didn't, or as a result, I didn't really have a lot of the guidance or resources or support, despite also being part of a lot of like first gen supportive programs. Like it only did so much for me. And so I think that that same feeling of just kind of like not knowing where I'm going to land, which I know everyone can relate to, but then also feeling the pressure of, well, now on top of everything I just said, I'm an only child. So I'm an only Mm -hmm. child from a low income background. Like I pay my mom's bills right now. So this whole thing around career fulfillment aside, like just financially alone brings me a lot of anxiety. And I've told Alex this before, but for like, there will be some weeks where like every day around like 7 to 8 p.m. I would just get this like punch of anxiety in my chest Mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, another day I didn't apply to a job or another day I don't have a traditional full-time job. Mm -hmm. And though granted, I'm grateful for the products I've been able to do, just not having a full-time stable paycheck is challenging to grapple with because I'm also trying to reframe what career means to me while also knowing that I still want a traditional career right now in this point in my life and just dealing with the feels. So there's a lot I said there, but that is definitely, I think, like a summary of why. Yeah, I I just want to jump into something you said, like, what does what does career mean to you? I think in our generation, Mm -hmm. I think the the idea of this standard career or what like a nine to five looks like looks so much more different than it did for our parents. So like, what does career mean to you? What is your ideal career? Yeah. So for me, career has changed so much. So when I was an undergrad, um, I was really focused on a traditional professional uh, career track, specifically wanting to pursue medicine. So I was pre-med and career at the time was a very linear, very to the point laid out thing for me. So I knew what the next like two decades of my life essentially were going to look like. And career was all about doing everything you can to get there, right? Doing everything you can to do the best you can to achieve what you need at each step of that process to get to the ultimate goal, which for me at at that point was the white coat, right? Was the opportunity to serve patients one-on-one. And I feel like that at the time, And when I say at the time, by the way, everyone, I'm talking about like 2021. So up to 2021, I was still pre-med. I was still on this track, on this journey. Um, 
at the time I, I viewed career from a very just like straightforward lens in that respect. But then as, as I kind of teased in the beginning, now I have this freelance work that I'm doing as a social impact strategist. Um, so as I started to get the visibility on my TikTok content, and then at the same time was getting clinical experience and my understanding of what my individual career path started to shift, I also realized that what I wanted out of my career wasn't necessarily a job that was going to give me 100% fulfillment. Um, like my job can be part of why I'm fulfilled and live a happy life, but it doesn't need to be the sole reason, which was why I put so much pressure on myself to achieve becoming a doctor or a physician. And that helped me reframe, okay, like I want to, you know, work to live, not live to work. And now career is in the, my mind, a job or something that I do that is going to pay my bills, you know, maybe bring some joy to my life, but doesn't have to. It's not a requirement. I would like it to, but I'm not going to put that pressure because I want to be able to build um, the life outside of that, my life outside of that career or whatever that is. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is like my definition of career and my parameters of what a career is and should provide you has really shifted a lot in the last two years in particular. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, sorry if you can hear the someone's vacuuming upstairs. Um, we talked about this. <laughs> we've talked about this so much, and I think that's something that you know finding community has at least helped me with anxiety. But the pivot, you know, the great pivot. I think I had that same mm -hmm. mindset where you know, for me, my aspirations was that white coat as well. Uh, I was studying marine biology, mm -hmm. and then it, in 2022, I made the switch. Just last year, I was like, oh. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. So yeah, there isn't, I feel like it took some anxiety away because like, we don't have to continue with education. We don't have to do this, but then it also gave us more anxiety because of stability. Absolutely, you know, I think, yeah. I think it's, it is, is, is very privileged to, you know, be able to do something that you love and also like make a full-time career out of it. Is that something, is that something you ever considered? you know, a part of that in, in terms of like your content creation, was that something like if you get, you were given the opportunity, would you pursue that? That's a great question because I think back to everything that's happened since April, 2021, which is when I started my TikTok. And then in the mm -hmm. months that followed, I grew a platform and then those opportunities like creator programs and brand partnerships started to pop up. And so that was when like the first time that I realized, okay, I can make this pivot but I distinctly remember telling one of my friends at the time that I don't want this to ever become too businessy because mm -hmm. I know myself and I think Alex, you and I are the same way. When we get into something and we want to build something that includes a business, like we're going to go in. And I think that I knew that back then. And I remembered this the other day um, when I was talking to this friend. But then the interesting thing is that that's exactly what happened. Like I started to get overly consumed by the business aspect of what it's like to to become a content creator and make that more of a sustainable income. And I think that regardless of what my personal desire was, even though I didn't want that to happen, it almost in hindsight makes a lot of sense and was inevitable because again, like here I am figuring out what I want to do with career, what I'm currently doing, I'm really enjoying. And this opportunity to to literally create for a living and talk about things I care about and also tap into my advocacy as part of that career all in one was super appealing. So there was a phase where I really did want that to be my career, mm -hmm. like specifically the content creation. And now I'm not taught, I'm not even getting to like the freelance yet. Um, 
But that I think really changed also quite quickly because then I experienced a lot of depression and anxiety around, mm-hmm. you know, making this a sustainable, long lasting, viable option. And that's where I feel like the anxiety really started to come up because now I was like, wait, this is a blessing. Like you said, it's a privilege to be able to create content and get brand deals and make money. Fantastic. But that was pulling me away from my purpose at the time. And I didn't realize that until it was a little bit too late and I was already burnt out from all the anxiety and everything. Yes. Okay. That is amazing that you touched on that. And we're filming this uh, before the episode B comes out. So you haven't listened to it yet, but you know, I think a lot of people, when I announce that B is for books, they're going to be like, books like why are you anxious about books because my entire platform is centered around that and I think in that specific episode it was really like the warning signs of what happens when you make your hobby when you monetize your hobby because why am I anxious about books because I centered my entire platform around it to the point where you know sometimes I was being paid asked to paid to review stuff you know it was becoming stressful to be a reader and to have the say on like how good a book was or was I reading enough? So I feel like that episode is so, you know, it resembles what we're talking about today. It's like the anxieties of what happens. Like, yes, it's great. You do what you love and you, you know, have a stable, you know, income or whatever. And most of the time it's not stable anyway, but then you get the anxiety of like, okay, for me, I was like, what happens if I like stop reading? What happens if I don't like books anymore? Like, like Jorge, like what happens if you like stop, you know, enjoying creating content? Does that ever give you like <laughs> anxieties? <laughs> also, it's just kind of hilarious that we're talking about this because I'm literally wearing a TikTok for creator shirt right now. So it's just like really ironic. But yeah, for me, I think the worry and it's interesting because it's been a lot of time since I entered that initial, I guess, I'm just going to call it a round because I feel like you go through rounds of anxiety and depression around and like, again, existentialism, like I started this podcast with. Um, around things like career and so I feel like my first round was like fall 2021 so early early in my creative journey and then through 2022 I was going through like through those waves in and out of again just feeling how I described uh, around career and I think currently I'm kind of experiencing what you're saying which is like I'll have moments where first my mind is like hey what do I want to do with everything that I've been up to right what formats do I want to do? What ideas do I have that I've been sitting on? And then I get excited, I get inspired. But then what follows that is that worry, quite literally that anxiety of like, oh, but, you know, one, what if those things don't turn out how you want? Or like, what if, you know, you're not, you're not doing what you think you should be doing Mm -hmm. deep down. And then I get all confused. And then that's where like, again, the anxiety kicks in. And I'm like, ah, like, do I want to even have a platform? Like like you, I've had those questions, mm-hmm. even sometimes randomly. And I know that that's rooted again in just like, shout out to my therapist and just like lack of um, self-belief and mm-hmm. lack of confidence and fear of succeeding rather than fear of failure. Um, mm-hmm. And so I feel like understanding that has helped, but I definitely resonate with that experience of like, struggling to identify or struggling to work through the feels of okay do I want to do this um 
or like mm-hmm. what could this turn into or like what if I do do this but yeah like just all those different thoughts and avenues of of thinking definitely yeah I know I love that it's like rushing into your head and sometimes I have nightmares of waking up and not enjoying reading anymore I know you I know yeah. you recently got mm-hmm. back into reading you've been reading so much and it makes me so happy um but it's almost as if like you know I woke up one day and was like I don't want to be a marine biologist so it could easily happen that I wake up and I'm like I don't like talking about books or I don't like communications or whatever the things that I right now see in my career. So I think a lot of that is like the unknown. And and like you said too, like what does it mean to be a good creator? What does it mean to have a good career? I feel like so much of that is impressed by like media and, you know, inevitably we compare ourselves. C, C should be for compares. Comparing gives us anxiety AF like that. That to me, and I feel like is a huge anxiety of mine because, and it's something that I had to work to towards. Do you do you feel like that? Is that something that you kind of you know, I guess grew up comparing, or is that something that you had to like work through? Yeah, yeah. So I would also love to hear more about that from you. But first, mm-hmm. um, comparison. I had this conversation literally a year ago with a friend, like or just over a year ago, um, where we were talking about. I was talking about how I compare and then this leads to like feeling pressure and mm. she was telling me and I was kind of caught off guard. She was like, do you think comparison and putting pressure on yourself is inherently bad mm. or do you think that like that that is just your brain's way of trying to process your like lack of self-belief or something like that? And I was like, oof, because um, they're not wrong, right? Like I think again, when I've always struggled with self-esteem and confidence. And I just think that there are a lot of little promises that I haven't kept to myself. Um, You know, like little things like, oh, I'm going to do this at this time that have added up. And so I've created this narrative in my head of like, oh, I'm just like not capable of doing this or, oh, it's going to take me months to achieve that. And if you, I know you also read the Atomic Habits. So it's Mm -hmm. like in Atomic Habits, when you, Uh, kind of doing going into the opposite of like identity-based goals when you like build this identity about around yourself of like I can't do this or I'm not this or it takes me this long to do that that's gonna like really last with you and then that leads to when other people do the things that you want to do the ego comes out because now your ego is like oh like they're doing that like that could have been me if I just and then it flips back on you and then that's where like the self yeah, the self uh, criticism kicks in because of that comparison and the ego kicking in. So definitely. Um, and I think that that's even that definitely has not happened as much lately. But that was a big part last beginning of 2022, like huge part. Actually, before we met, that was part of the reason why I was so depressed for like three, four months mm-hmm. and couldn't get out of it because I was stuck in that loop of comparing. And rather than doing looking at others who were doing and then being like, oh, like, how come I can't be like that? Um, I'm curious how that's popped yeah. up for you as, as you know, another creator, as someone who at the time, I mean, going back a year at least that I've known you, you were still in school. So what has that looked like for you, whether that's with career um, in school, specifically with like the whole comparison bit? Yeah, well, first I want to say you're a mind reader because you just talked about identity-based approach in Atomic Habits and no joke, that's like literally a line from episode B. I'm like, uh, so speaking of books, oh, like really? talk- no, I'm not even kidding. It's going to be so, it's going to okay. be so meta. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but mm-hmm. yes, like you said, I actually like the way that you're thinking of it. So comparison isn't inher- inherently bad. It's the way that we process comparison. I kind of like that because mm-hmm. then it shows that there's healing to be done. Like comparison is mm-hmm. inevitable. Like we're going to do it. And I think for me, you know, actually what's funny is I didn't learn the like virtues of comparison, like why it could be like you know, creating a healthy relationship with it until I joined the mental health space. Because I'm sorry, once Mm. I joined and met all of you creators, I'm like, first of Mm. all, comparison is inevitable, but it seems so like, like community driven, like we're, we all acknowledge that we have stuff to learn from and we're helping each other. Like, like just from meeting you, Mm. like you've achieved so much, but like, you're, you're always there asking, you know, me, if I'm interested in opportunities, you know, helping me network. And I'm like, I've never, it's all about compassion. I've never experienced that much, much compassion in an industry or a creator community. So Honestly, it's taken a lot of the anxiety out of career when I see that other people are helping because I think a lot, especially when it comes to corporate career, you know, there's a lot of climbing, there's a lot of Mm. social climbing, a lot of corporate climbing, you know, everyone, I'm not saying this is the same for everyone and, and it applies to all corporate industries, but it's very much like fighting, like, you know, and it can be hard to always like want to do more and like be higher in a position that you always are that's why when it comes to a career I think the most thing the best thing that I can do for my anxiety is to like kind of like literally I have to humble myself sometimes I don't know if you do this too but you have to be right like you've experienced some Mm -hmm. some good stuff opportunities too and you just have to be like I've done this and not be in your head Mm -hmm. and can be comparing it to people Mm -hmm. yeah and I think you and I had a really good example of that like a couple of weeks ago there was there was this opportunity you and I were both interested in and neither of us got it and I was over analyzing why I didn't get it and it was really easy for me to look at some of the folks who were selected which I'm so happy they were but at the time mm-hmm. my ego was kicking in a little and I was just so frustrated because I'm like oh like I just know that I would have done amazing in that opportunity and it was something that I really wanted um but then like you, you like, you checked me, you were like the outside voice that I needed in that moment where you were like, oh, but like, remember you're on your own path. And that's something that I really appreciated because that's how I've, that's what I've always said to myself. And there's still moments where I forget it, right? I'm human too. Um, and there's still moments that I like, you know, the ego definitely takes over. I'm like, oh, like I just get really frustrated. But like you said, I think finding ways to remind myself of the progress that I'm making and trying to th- see things from an outside perspective because mm-hmm. if we're going to look at it from our POV only like it can be challenging sometimes to recognize the progress we've made so one I think thinking about it from an outside view of like where was Jorge five years ago and where is he now and why mm-hmm. what would the Jorge five years ago like say to me now what would he think about me and when I think about it that way, then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm exactly where I wanted to be mm-hmm. in a very non-traditional way. Like I'm, mm. I thought I was going to be in med school right now, <sighs> but like also doing like fun, like healthcare policy and then also like building a business. Like that is how I envisioned my future five years ago. I'm not, but that's okay. I'm building a business in a different way, right? Like I have a non-traditional career in a different way and I'm influencing policy in different ways. 
Um, so it's just interesting to see that. And and I think that that's something that we can all always work on is again, just giving ourselves that credit when mm. it's due for sure. Yeah. Do you, do so, you do that enough? I, I was, that's actually a segue into our next question and, and talking about yeah. how do we cope with this career anxiety or just any anxiety mm-hmm. in general. And I think we've definitely, yeah. I think one, we found that community with each other. Like, yeah, like there will be some times where I'll, we'll send voice memos and we'll send texts and literally be like, Hey, like, you know, sad and bummed about this or this didn't go as planned but I think it's you know and and sometimes I find it really hard to ask for that I think um like with my partner but even with my family like I don't tell my family career disappointments like or achievements anymore because I have a very like I have an expectation of the way they're going to react and I feel like you need someone to to bring to give you you know the reaction that you're seeking um the validation and in order to help some of those anxieties so yeah how would you say like you cope with um, anxieties related to career is it like just through community for me it's been very important that i tap into community when i'm struggling with anxiety around career and i talk to friends because I think a lot of times, again, what I need is just to just be heard because what ends up happening is when I get anxious around career, I start spiraling. And when I start spiraling, my thoughts are not going to reveal any truth. It's only going to create this false narrative, right? That again is kind of like this negative feedback loop with my anxiety or positive Mm. feedback loop, whatever. It just reinforces it and back and vice versa. And so I think talking about it out loud and just going to friends and just kind of expressing my disappointment, my frustration, mm-hmm. and then allowing myself to feel that, sit with it, but then also get it out. And at times be reminded by people, hey, like, you're good. You're doing amazing. Like, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. That's been really, really critical these last couple of months. Um, but then I also do try to do that with myself. Uh, And that's just by writing down like what I'm grateful for and what were like the small wins of my day, because it's easy to say, oh, I didn't apply for a job today, but then it's, but then when you pause and you count your wins, it's easy to also be like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. I applied for this grant or I got this opportunity that could potentially lead to something. So it's like really making sure that I practice gratitude, that I acknowledge the wins I'm making, that I also allow myself to just kind of look around, surveil and be like, oh, wow, like I, I'm here right now when I'm in the middle of an opportunity that may not be aligned with a traditional career um, or what I imagined to be in a a traditional step within pursuing a career, but just giving myself that credit. Um, So those are definitely two things for sure that I'd say I do. And yeah. for me, the, the most handy tool is a journal for all of that. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel that too. I, I think, you know, what I really think about is like, there are people like us who are very open and it's that whole thing with anxiety is like, you're always, you're sometimes a little hesitant to share with people because you're like, oh, I don't know how this person's going to react, especially if you've never told them about something before, if they're not, you know, a close, a close friend, a partner, um, yeah. So like what happens if you're not someone who is willing to talk about your anxieties with another person? You know, that that eliminates a huge coping you know, mechanism with community. And I think, you know, one thing that I had to mm-hmm. learn was since I wasn't very open about it was boundaries. Like 
you know, you know my story. I moved away from New York because it was very hustle culture. It didn't align with Mm -hmm. the career I wanted. I didn't want to be climbing all the time. I didn't want to be, you know, looking for, you know, the highest salary or the most opportunities. I just wanted like, you know, a nice day job and then doing some things, maybe going like going to a farm, like looking at the nature. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And I think it's setting boundaries for yourself, but, but do you know what I mean? Like if you're not able to talk about that, like how do you cope? No, I definitely know what you mean there. First, it's funny because when you mentioned climbing, I thought of like rock climbing since I know you do that. Yeah. Um. So I thought you were literally saying you don't want to be climbing all day. And then it made sense. <laughs> Wait, is that what you meant or no? No, no, no. Like social, I guess not so- corporate climbing. Like, cor- like, like corporate ladders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Corporate ladder. <laughs> okay, okay. That's hilarious. I literally thought you meant like just those like yeah. things that you do. But yeah. anywho, fun fact, if y'all didn't know, Alex climbs quite literally. But um. Yes. So for me, I would say that, again, I've also gone through waves in my life in these last six years, for sure, where I have more comfort and I'm more willing to open up to people. And I think that that just kind of comes with the ebbs and flows of life and the relationships that I've cultivated. So Alex is a great example of someone who I challenged myself to open up to and start talking about these things more intimately. Mm -hmm. And more deeply because I just felt very seen and trusted and I felt like this like she could relate to me in a lot of different ways but before Alex like I was really struggling um to talk to people even though I knew that there were people in my life who I could go to Mm -hmm. and that was really frustrating for me because I felt like I was and you've said this before in conversation like self-sabotaging and just allowing myself to allow allowing my mind to spiral it felt like I was doing it to myself at times. So what I had to rely on, so I just want to be very like honest, I've had to rely on therapy a lot. I know therapy doesn't work for everyone. I know that it's not accessible to everyone, but therapy has been something that has been so helpful during that time because sure, I may not feel comfortable talking to my friend, but at least I have a therapist whose job is to listen to me and help me through these anxieties. And then also reminding myself or doing more things for myself that I just enjoy. I know this is like not what you, someone might expect, but what really helped me throughout the summer when I was experiencing this was literally going on hikes and mm. uh, bringing friends with me, bringing someone different with me, just being outside, reconnecting to nature. Like that was so powerful because when I'm in nature, whether I'm traveling or whether it's just a 20 minute drive from me, it really does expand my mind so much. And it allows me to remember how big the world is beyond what's spiraling inside of my brain. So that honestly, I feel like was my uh, lifesaver this week. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, my lifesaver this week. Um, Sorry, not this week, this past summer and in those months. All right, so let's take a pivot to climate change. This is two C's. It's alliteration. Um, Just as a reference, so we're going to be talking about climate change. Uh, We also have an episode coming up to where we're talking to actually a psychologist um, of like sustainability um, and the environment. So, but I do want to hear your take, especially since I think this is something that is very like resonant to our generation, you know, climate anxiety. So, I mean, this is also something that we, you know, me and you, Jorge, haven't had the chance to really talk about and explore. You know, we'll like 
talk about here and there, like our love of nature and, you know, for the environment. But like, yeah, I kind of want to know like where you stand and like how exactly that manifests, because I have some thoughts about how I feel climate anxiety. Yes. So climate change and climate anxiety has been one of those how I, I like to describe it as like a background factor that sometimes jumps into those spiraling moments that I explained earlier Mm -hmm. but not all the time so basically most of the time okay so generally speaking I personally feel like I am not actively thinking about oh my gosh what's happening with climate like I will think about it very much in the moment when I look into it or when I see content around it but that's not the first thing my mind necessarily goes to when I'm thinking of career I have a friend that's a little bit of of, like in the opposite position because they want to go into a career that's more in touch with um, environmental advocacy in some capacity through a technology lens. Um, And they are actively anxious about climate, the climate and the world. And I oftentimes have to, or find myself being there for her um, through that and just kind of talking through it and just reminding her to focus on like today which I know is easier said than done and not the best thing but I think I try my best to pull her to the present but about myself career is one of those things and it ties in with climate change for me because I'll be chilling and then next thing you know I'm like well why am I even this stressed right now around career when the world is gonna end that's that's my very pessimistic very anxiety induced Fear. And I know that a lot of Gen Z is experiencing this. I mean, statistics are revealing that climate anxiety is on a rise. There's actually um, programs and schools that are starting to find ways to include that as part of, you know, the way that they respond to patient, uh, patients, uh, clients and students and um, therapists are starting to look into it because it's a very real thing that Gen Z especially is experiencing. You know, again, it's just like, well, why is this even worth it? And I've definitely had that thought. But I try to not let it consume me um, and I'll get into this because I'd love to hear your thoughts first, but I've definitely started to find ways to tap into climate ad- activism and advocacy as my way of reclaiming that that fear, right? Of being like, okay, I know this yeah. is worrisome, but why don't I turn this into action? But would love to hear your thoughts first. Yeah. And it's what we've called. So for context, I went to school for, I have a dual degree in creative writing and environmental studies. And, you know, part of that, we take a very interdisciplinary approach to environmental studies. We have to, we're required to take policy, but we're also required to take science classes like like geology classes and earth science and whatever and you know a lot of what we called it was collective hopelessness which is so bad like I hate saying that because like um I don't want to breed that but unfortunately it comes out of you know and I think especially since I'm so close then you know taking policy classes learning the stats learning how just how far away we truly are from any type of like you know um intense action from not the youth, but like, you know, governments and, you know, people in power. So yes, collective um, hopelessness gives me a lot of anxiety. And for me, unfortunately, my anxiety manifests physically. So I will find myself in those spirals, but it'll be like, almost like shaking and a little bit of like, you know, either anxiety attacks or panic attacks. Um, When I will see something like it'll come on just out of nowhere. And I'll be like, why am I anxious? And it's like the environment. And 
yeah tying this back to career like I love what you said like sometimes I go through life like that like why am I saving my money and not buying this shirt that I want when like you know climate change is is a threat and you know the world's gonna end whatever but I do feel like that does breed more anxiety and I'm not really thinking about that how that is creating more anxiety in my head and I like what you said about channeling that anxiety into environmental activism you know I'll be honest I I feel like with the background that I had I should be doing that but I don't know. I feel like it gives me more anxiety to do that because you are talking to people about that constantly. And yeah, you're just up against it more. And then there's, it creates, it's almost like a a circular cycle. You fight for it and then people aren't listening and then you feel hopeless again. So like, what is your take on that? Do you, do, does that make sense? No, that definitely does make sense. And I would say that for me, that's something that I've been experiencing in the mental health space. So, you know, again, I've been doing this and actually like on the ground trying to have these conversations for five, six years now. And that's what a lot of the majority of my work feels like. It just feels like I'm the only one talking about it and no one cares. It's only mm-hmm. this last year and a half, two years that now it's become one of the pillars for corporations and social impact work, which let's be real, that's going to change in another year or two. Like that's how, that's how these, these kind of waves of uh, what topics to focus on kind of come in and out uh, when it comes to like the corporate world. But that doesn't mean that the act that the work hasn't, hasn't been done and isn't being done actively um, for a while now. And, and at this moment. Right. And so I think like that on one hand is what helps me, I guess, not necessarily experience, have that same experience of the anxiety of it, of me not being necessarily heard in that capacity. Like, like you mm-hmm. mentioned with environmental activism, which is also very prevalent because, you know, there, I feel like there's a community of people who care. And what I think is interesting about any activism, but especially climate and mental health activism, is that it's one of those issues where like everyone is impacted by it, but only a certain percentage know what to do about it. Only a certain percentage listen to conversations about it. Um, and so I think like that is that's kind of where I'm a little different. But I also I think feel more so the pressure of taking action and then getting overwhelmed because I'm already doing so much. Um, I think that's where I get a little bit more of like my anxiety from is just like, ah, like I want to do something, but like, I don't have the time because I'm already doing X, Y, and Z. So for me, channeling into, you know, that, that fear into action, that way I'm not feeling as hopeless, especially recently has been looking for opportunities that are going to be super, super like low key that I can contribute in a way that or at least be in the space so I can hear the conversation, learn, and also meet others doing the work. Um, And then also on the topic of career, like I have applied to a few positions that are like on the digital strategy, creative front, partnerships front of environmental justice, activism, et cetera. So I have found ways to kind of intersect the two. but that just hasn't worked out just yet with the exception of, of uh, one outlet that I recently have been able to, I guess, open for myself um, when it comes to that intersection of 
uh, or not even intersection, but just my involvement in climate activism in some capacity or another. Yeah. Um, do you feel do you feel anxiety over not doing enough? Do you feel like you are not doing enough to combat climate anxiety, maybe in the mental health space or just in general? I think that's more so like a that really comes down to to like a personal thing where mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm doing enough as a human, which is mm-hmm. I know you're going to listen to that and be like, what the heck, Jorge? Like, hello. Um, but it's so true. Like, I just get that anxiety of like, I'm not doing enough of what will ultimately matter to me five years from now. Um and I think that's why this entering this year has been such a, it was so important for me to just tap into intentions because I knew that I was going to deal with this, with, right? Like, so I'm doing speaking engagements. I'm getting accepted to this thing or that thing. I'm asked to travel to DC for this thing. They're all very different, right? Like some are more policy, some are more creative, some are more marketing strategy, like everything in my life, all the doors that are opening, I'm so blessed for, but because they're so different, a lot of times I get the anxiety of like, does this make sense? And is, is this aligned with who I am? And at the end of the day, the answer tends to be yes. Um, But then that does tap into eventually like the climate conversation, because there'll be moments where I'm like, oh, like, I should start talking about this more. I should start talking, like making videos about this because this is important. Like, this is what matters. Um, And I feel like that's more so a result of me feeling like I need to produce more. I need to produce more content that educates people. But I also need to remember in those moments that I'm not the only one doing this work. I spoke to a few different um, people who were in the activism space or one person who's in activism space this past week. And that's something that like we were just talking about is like, remembering that we're not the only ones doing this work but that can obviously feel really hard when you care so deeply so that's how I resonate with that how about you yeah so I asked that because I this is something that I've always had an anxiety over not just like the climate itself and the impending you know issues of that but I think just being That's why I think I hesitate to call myself an environmental activist or someone who's very involved, despite getting a degree in it, going to a school that is very... So for reference, my school has a goal to become zero waste, the college that I went to, which is amazing, awesome. It was one of the reasons why I actually went to that and committed to that school is because they had such a big commitment to environmentalism. But I think in retrospect, and I think people talk about this a lot, it breeded a culture of like it breeded a culture of I think people like trying to like you know call out other people if they weren't doing enough and I and I get that that's valid but I also like for me so reference like our school phased out like you know plastic straws right and I think you know when I would get coffee from somewhere that didn't have like compostable you know cups or and straws and I would bring it onto my campus and I would get yeah and I would get people like asking me about that and which I totally understand too because that's something that I've been trying to implement in my life but I think that there are a lot of pressures when we talk about you know environmental activism and Mm -hmm. I see you laughing there and I and it is because it was serious I think in my yeah no in my school too and so what we do is we have composting like everywhere on our campus and I think when you come from 
like I'm from New York City and that wasn't a huge cultural thing. And I think coming into the school when everything like they did trainings and everything, I didn't come in with that knowledge. So I was very ignorant. I didn't know what went to compost. Sometimes it would be hard to tell. And so when I would do something wrong, I would get shamed for it. And, you know, now I've learned that, but it did breed a little bit anxiety in me where I was like, oh, I can't misstep. I can't do anything because I'm harming the planet. You know what I mean? No, definitely. And the reason why I was laughing and smiling is just because I'm like, first of all, quick, quick plug. When what? Okay, first of all, we are all an advocate and an, an activist in some capacity, regardless of what you think, right? I, I I need everyone to know this. Like, we are all we all care about something, and just even talking about that something is more than enough. I think a lot of times in our world, especially in like a meritocracy, we create titles to validate people's work and to distinguish people. But truly activism is a communal effort. And I think sometimes limiting ourselves, limiting limiting who we call an activist and an advocate limits how we as a community feel empowered to take action on something. So I just wanted to plug that for everyone listening. Um, and then second, like we shouldn't be policing people's um, people's the people using straws like I see that's why I was smiling because I'm like that is I get it I get it but just a reminder for anyone listening don't police people for using the wrong straw when it's not necessarily the individual's fault right it's like the state's issue it's a state's issue people need to make sure like yes we need to talk about that but people also need to make sure or recognize that like if it's not accessible or if you like you said you come from a state where that's not the huge then uh, anyway I can go on about that but I definitely just relate so much, um, like so, so much to <laughs> everything you were saying around just like our willingness to want to call ourselves a climate activist or a climate advocate. And I like definitely feel that, especially now as I'm trying to enter the space, you know, I'm like, oh, should I like start calling myself this or like what? what does this title, how does this title or will this title help serve mm -hmm. my community and help me achieve what I needed to? And when I recognize, like, that's why I said that spiel a few moments ago, like when I recognize that the title doesn't inherently change what my actions or efforts necessarily mean or the impact they have, then I've been able to be like, oh, okay. Like, I don't need to call myself this to be that aka a climate activist etc that's something I'm trying to remember because I've had moments where the moment I got this one opportunity um I I that's like climate related I was like should I update my bio now and I'm like mm -hmm. no Jorge because that's not something that you're going to be blasting out into the world you're going to talk about it when you because you care about it but you're not going to be like you don't need to fall into this into this mold of like now I need to have this as part of my niche and like now I need this to be a part of my identity like we can care about things and do things that reduce harm or, you know, um, at, spread a, a positive message, whatever it is that our goal is, without having worrying about claiming onto a title. And that actually ties into career. Sorry, I know I'm like blabbering a little, but that ties into no. career a lot and like really well, because I think a lot of times, right, we also get stuck on titles in career. Mm -hmm. And it's like the same unlearning principle for me. It's recognizing that like, just because I'm not a doctor doesn't mean I'm not helping individuals. Um, just because mm -hmm. I'm not, 
you know, in a research position doesn't mean that I'm not doing research to ultimate, ultimately like best serve my community. So I think this issue of titles ties into both. Wait, can you like say that a little, a little louder for, for my parents in the back? Um, just because there is no doctor, um, before it doesn't mean what I'm doing is not of value and, And I think part of that too, and going back into that a little bit is like the issues that I think we, and you know, the anxiety surrounding our career are partly caused by like our culture and, you know, sometimes expectations from that because yeah, it was a little bit of pressure on me to like continue to grad school, you know, um, use the opportunities, find a good paying job because right now, yeah, I'm not in the most high paying position and I think you know that's why after I told my parents like of the job that I do which by the way is an environmental advocacy I work for an environmental nonprofit that you know works to preserve freshwater resources in the Great Lakes region that's something I love it's at the intersection of you know climate change environmental justice and you know marketing and communications but it's not ideal it doesn't pay you know as much as maybe if I got like a doctorate or you know, whatever. And I think my parents have caused a lot about that anxiety. You know, something that they tell me a lot is they always say, Alex, like when I'm gone, like how will you provide for yourself? And I'm like, I'm always like, I will be fine. Like I am providing for myself now. You know, I pay everything on my own. And so they're like that anxiety is creeping in from them and not from me because it's it's forcing me to rethink like oh shoot should I you know literally I was asking myself this other the other day Jorge I was like should I have gone into like coding <laughs> like should I have gone into comp sci and I really beat myself up about it to the point where didn't I tell you I texted you and I was like hey I'm taking coding classes right now and I totally like quit it after two days but that anxiety caused me to spiral to sign up for a freaking coding class because I was like I need these skills in order to be a high paying applicant mm, no yeah I will say like for me, that's also why I think I struggled. So thankfully my parents have always been, have never been like, hey, we expect you to do this. They've mm-hmm. actually, and this is something I don't take for granted. They've actually been extremely like, you know, what, pursue your dreams. That's that's how they've raised me. However, they might say that, but I know deep down, they also are hoping that I do something like lawyer, doctor, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, my dad he's cuban so cubans are like hardcore they love business so he's always been like just do something in the business world investing world mm-hmm. like i know that's what he's like really like interested in my mom you know her brother was a doctor my uncle was a doctor and he passed at a young age and though he passed at a younger age my mom still really admired like i mentioned that detail because he like was on this long career track and like wasn't ever able to enjoy it. But even though that was a factor that my mom always drills in my head, she still was like, just use that job as such a noble job, right? Mm. Because of the work that goes into it. And I know that they both, my mom and dad both had their separate, the separate things that they cared about. And that definitely, I think subconsciously impacted me. But where I really felt it was more so when I recognized I didn't want to do medicine um, after telling everyone that no matter what I was going to do it, mm-hmm. like, I know I'm struggling, but I'm going to make it happen was then going to them and being like, Hey, like, yeah, so this is not something I want to do or not even going to them. But when they asked me like, Hey, so like, 
what's up with medicine actually confronting that and being like yeah like mm, it's just like not for me right now um because I know that the way that they then perceive the other like the trajectory I'm now on is entirely different so that's definitely been like a major factor for me in terms of like now also being okay with like this non-traditional career and I think that that ties into my earlier point as to why I struggle to give myself credit and then also acknowledge that I'm self-employed and that I'm freelancing and that like that's so cool and this is such a huge privilege because I think it's my, my parents also asking about traditional careers goes into like our cultural like scarcity mindset where if you don't mm -hmm. have a traditional nine to five like what's going to happen because again my parents had to struggle for money their entire lives like that was the number one argument I've always heard 24 7 like literally every day was money and so I get where they're coming from but that definitely leads into me feeling that added pressure and kind of confusion when I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing now but then I'm like wait but it's not a traditional nine to five what if I like what if I get no paycheck for the next eight months and what if I don't get hired and that is how I'm feeling that is why like I said in the beginning of this I get anxious like daily at times not has it didn't happen this past week because I was out and about but um I otherwise get anxious daily at like 7 8 p.m so yeah mm -hmm. yeah and I think part of that anxiety I think I think because like with the active job search right now, I think the is is the anxiety like ever present? Like it's sort of you can't escape it. It comes in like throughout the day. So for instance, okay, today before this call, I was literally like, so I wrote down a list, and nothing on the list says apply to a job, right? Mm. So when I realized that, my mind's like, oh, like you should apply to at least one job today. But then that triggers me feeling like like that like but like that that tightness in your chest of like. Ugh. Like you have to apply to a job and then that leads to like, because if you don't apply to a job, then what if blah, blah, blah. Like I had just explained. So like, that's a literal example of how it happened today. And it happened earlier than I expected, but yes, it's like very much a daily experience um, where it like comes in and out. But like, I noticed that one pattern of it coming in at the end of the day. Cause again, at the end of the day is when I look at my list and if it doesn't have apply to a job checked off, I'm like, yeah insert yeah word. wow it's ever yeah, yeah it's ever present yeah and I'm sorry that mm -hmm. that is it is like that like I, I don't know I'm trying to think too of like how I think it's a cultural thing too because I think of like solutions of like how can we just like hustle culture I mean you're in you're in the east coast right now so you're, you're kind of feeling that whereas mm -hmm. I feel like here it, things are I'm, I'm in the midwest <laughs> I'm in Minnesota things are definitely a little bit slow. I feel like I, oh, you know what? I, I think I heard, I don't know if this is true. Don't quote yeah. me, but I think there is like, like largest per capita, like nonprofits in Minnesota in the twin cities. So oh. I do feel, yes, okay. it's very common to find people here working in nonprofit. Um, and I think especially in environment, environmental stuff, because we, we do have quite good environmental uh, sustainability practice in the twin cities, but yeah, and I do feel like because mm -hmm. we're we're from such different worlds too, we have very different ideas of what career looks like, you know. And I think because it's what you it it breeds, you know. And I think if I was still in New York right now, oh, I would be feeling it. Like I would be feeling it. And also, I have a twin sister. You know, comparing my career to hers, like who's gonna make the most money? Who's gonna? And not to mention my brother. Guess he's guess what he's studying for? He's studying to be like a doctor. He's starting. He's doing um. Uh, like you know 
more school on top of a college and he's in undergrad right now. And that puts a lot of pressure on me because I'm like, am I going to be like, you know, enough for this family? How am I going to compare to my siblings? Like it makes me anxious because every time I go to those family banquets or I come home for, you know, seeing the relatives for Chinese New Year, the question is always like, what's your job? Like, what are you working on it? Like, why do why do we as a society talk about jobs all the time? Like, why can't we talk about other things? Yeah, it's definitely a generational thing too. Like my, so I don't see my dad often, but when I do see him, one of the first things he'll say is like, how's the job search? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's his way of, of like, you know, expressing his that's okay the way I look at that is that's him checking in on me but that's also his way of just revealing what he like prioritizes in life right which Mm -hmm. is again a job with with all the context that I just provided um and then he's also been asking a lot lately like oh so like is what you're doing and then my mom asked me this which that really like got in my head when both of them asked me this question but they were she like and again this was separate and then like very different weeks like time periods but he was like so is what you're doing, like, are you using your degree? And, you know, it's easy to be like, damn, because, like, I know what they're trying to get at. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you went to school all this time, like, are you using your degree? But thankfully, that's something I've been reframing for a very long time, Um, which is like, yeah, I mean, your degree is a paper that you can use in any field, like, literally, like, I mean, as long as you have the network and you, like, are doing, you're saying yes to the right opportunities and doing the right things, like, your degree is just a paper to get you past that oh do you have a bachelor's requirement and then you sh- you can do whatever so no matter what you're using your degree in that you practiced critical thinking and writing etc in school and now you're applying that but you know our parents don't think about it that way they think of it as mm-hmm. are you using your degree as and you studied public health so is this related to public health so definitely definitely a factor that i've been managing um in my own family and conversation and, you know, that kind of, again, gives me that same, I don't want to say anxiety in this case, but just, it just stings a little, right? It like, because I'm like, it, it makes me feel like, it makes me reflect on my on my decisions. And I'm like, yeah, it does it. And I'm like, well, does that matter? So that, that's also like another factor that like, you reminded me of when you mentioned that. Yeah, I think, I think that's a big one too. Um I feel like there there is a difference when you talk about I don't know I don't know which one's worse actually talking about career with uh the older generation or our generation I feel like both oh, yeah. give, give me different types of anxieties um I feel like in our generation it does feel a little bit more like sometimes depends on who you talk to but like one-upping or you'll get anxiety because someone's you know in a different space as you and I and going on to your point um we're all over the place but going over to your point about like you know the degree I actually went like going to school I was like I already knew in my head I'm like I'm not gonna use my degree in my career so I actually like that's why I'm dual degree I have two I had two majors and I took Jorge, like I took so many classes. I took photography, like data science, like just in throughout my major, I made sure to take classes that had nothing to do with my major because I'm like all the skills will be transferable. And I think to set the record for a lot of our younger viewers in school, like 
trust me, it's not that serious. Like if if you have a linear, you know, going into grad school or whatever, then yes, like, you know, get those requirements, get your majors, get the education. But I think in general, when it comes to take those life skill classes, do not, do not forget about them. So in life skill, I mean like graphic design, um, the one business class, you know, business of economics or whatever, marketing. Um, yeah, take all of those classes because those are the ones that I use the most. Those are the ones that are most profitable. Profitable. Yeah, and that's kind of why I, I really loved public health and why I chose to study public health personally because um, when I was when I knew I wanted to pursue medicine, I knew that I always wanted to be like a non traditional doctor. Um, in the sense that I like studied something else. So I actually was trying to transfer to the business school and pursue finance while still on the pre-medical track. Then that didn't work out. So I stayed in the School of Arts and Sciences at Rutgers um, and was studying economics. And then mm -hmm. I just realized that what I was learning in, econ in in those classes was I could learn more in YouTube videos about the economy. So I was like, why am I paying for Whoa. this degree? That was literally my thought. Like, because mm -hmm. I was really into learning about personal finance. Um, and I was like, I know way more than these classes. And it was just asking irrelevant questions. Like I took an exam that I failed. Um, and it was literally like asking me about, it was all about history of money. And I'm like, why the heck do I need to understand? Like why the symbols on the dollar that is not going to matter 10 years from now when like cryptocurrency is also a factor. Mm -hmm. Like I was just thinking about all that. And so public health was one of those degrees like economics, I would argue, but again, just the way it was taught, I was not a fan of. But public health, I just really enjoyed the fact that it's a very like systemic curriculum. Like you yeah. really understand broader issues that impact people. And I knew that regardless of what I do, it was going to impact people. And I felt like that was most fitting. And so that definitely thinking, reframing career early on in that sense and in recognizing that my degree can be used in different ways and recognizing that my degree can be applied in different ways and that I have a lot more power in the different directions I can head into, even if I did want to pivot was definitely a big part of that for me. Yeah, well, that's a great topic to end off of. You've given some really good advice mm -hmm. about that. And I think in general, I think it's a conversation. We talk about anxiety and I think the whole reason why I started this podcast was it's a conversation and daily talks like this or even talking on this podcast, I think a lot of people resonate, but also like it, it eases some of the anxiety when you realize that you're not alone. And I think mm. that's one thing that we've learned. But yeah, where can where can our audience members find you? I will also leave all of the links in the show notes. But yeah, what's the best way to reach you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at I Jorge Alvarez. Stay tuned because I'm excited to drop some exciting, very intimate um, mental health and just intentional living content on YouTube. And I'm going to start picking up my phone again and believing in myself, like I said earlier, which I've been struggling with and just talking to my phone camera again and posting uh, short form videos, which is something that I've always enjoyed doing. So you can find me there and, oh, and on LinkedIn, that's a place too. Me and Alex are on there. Again, we have our, we have oh, yeah. our LinkedIn live events. So stay tuned for a future one. Yeah, if you're interested in career stuff, especially around career yeah. and mental health and pivoting, yeah, we have a series on LinkedIn Live called Pivoting Paths, which we are going to pick up again uh, in this year. But 
yeah, that's just like a where you can find a scan. You'll definitely be hearing. I feel like I'll reference you a lot in upcoming episodes. I, I really do. It's a lot of the insight wow, that I've gained. I know you are. You're <laughs> you're gonna be my primary source. I'm gonna like link you in the description <laughs> box. Um, but thank you so much for joining me on the first episode. Again, you can find all of Jorge's um you know, Instagram, everything. I'll literally link everything in the bio and in the show notes. But yeah, that's all for this episode. Yeah, let's slowly heal one letter at a time. Next episode is going to be D. Can you guess what D is for? Jorge, what's your guess on D? Do you already know what it is? I actually no, don't. Okay, what's your My guess? My guess will be D as in dogs. What? Why would I be anxious about dogs? Actually, no, that's valid. That's that's really. No, you're valid. right. You're an animal lover. You're an animal yeah. lover. No, but it was D. Can you give me a teaser? What's the second letter? A. Dad. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be honestly. I I'm gonna make all my guests guess it because I think it's really funny. But yeah, are you? Are you... I don't know. I'm we'll actually see. not even trying to be funny. Like I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, cool. I'm yeah, excited we'll though. Stay tuned y'all. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode and thanks to Jorge for joining me as well. And additionally, if you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health, a list of resources can be found in the show notes and the description of every episode. Music is custom produced and created for each episode by Brandon Hill, a really talented musician. You can find all of his socials in the description and show notes of each episode.